Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Okay, I got a question for you. I really want to make hi work the same as bye, but it just doesn't. So I'd love your thoughts on that as to whether or not we can actually make it a thing. I feel like it would just be a super great, unique new intro, or maybe someone's already doing it. Anyway, I don't know. This is already off to a crazy start. I know that it's only been a week since the last episode, but It feels like a whole lot longer than just a week for some reason. I think it was because January was like the eternal month and simultaneously the most action-packed month ever. I have no idea how that all works, but it was insane. And it's funny, I sort of like geared up for January to be a sprint out of the gate into the new year. And then I was just going to hang in there for one month. But it's turning out that all the momentum created in January is now turning into a February with lots of great client projects that I'm turning out, which I find fun and fantastic, but it is a little busy. So I hope that February's starting line finds you well, healthy, feeling like you know where you want to go, and maybe you even have some semblance of how to get there. I'll give you a hint. I think it comes with daily habits and taking small steps at a time. Um, All right. If this is your first time joining us here, welcome here. Welcome to the She Built This Podcast. And for my wonderfully loyal listeners who have been with me through the thick and the thin, welcome back. For those who don't know, my name is Emily Aborn. I'm the owner and founder of She Built This, which is a women's entrepreneurship community where we are just an authentic bunch of people by your side every single step of the way as you build your business. I also am a content writer. I run a branding collaborative called View Collaborative with Lindsay Taylor, and I'm the host of this podcast. So what you end up getting here is a mix of inspiring stories from women entrepreneurs and the people in their lives who support them, marketing and writing tips you can use, education, inspiration, resources, and a whole lot more, as they say. Um, And if this is your first time here, I already know you know you're going to want to stick around. So I recommend you just go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button now while you're thinking of it. And then that way we can become, we can be on our way to becoming fast friends. Speaking of friends, this month, February, is all about relationships. I know that's cliche, but it is what it is. And I think it's really hard. I mean, it's probably impossible to live a life devoid of relationships. I'd venture to say that we all have some sort of relationships in our lives from personal to business to family to our dogs and cats. So what kind of relationship topics are we going to be focusing on this month, Emily? There are so many to choose from. I'm so glad you asked. The answer is that we are going to take all kinds of angles on relationships, starting today with Dr. Jolie Hamilton. We're going to be talking about relationships as entrepreneurs and how we can use our skills from our business and translate them into our romantic relationships. We're also this month going to be talking about communication, subconscious beliefs that show up in our relationships, why owning our own stuff in relationships is important. And I have a super top secret special treat in store for you mid-month 
from uh, with someone whose name I think that you will recognize. Now, I know I have gotten a little bit into the story of how my husband Jason and I met and a little bit about our relationship. And I'll probably be sharing a little more here and there throughout the month about he and I, friendships and the lessons that I've learned, and also relationships and boundaries with clients that I've picked up along the way in my own journey. Um, But back to Jason and I for today, we have been together for many, many iterations of job situations, joint entrepreneurship ventures, and now we each have our own things going, but we still work as a team to achieve our dreams. When we first met, Oh my gosh, I just had to pause because speak of him, Jason just texted me a picture of this wicked cute basset hound at the job he is painting at. Anywho, I definitely digress. Um, When we first met, I worked at the Green Grocer Natural Food Store in Peterborough, as well as for a chiropractic office in Peterborough. And I was also cooking for people who had like either lost loved ones or were single parents and too busy to make meals for their family. At the time, Jason was moving to North Carolina and he was looking for a job, which ended up being a little bit harder than he expected. And I'm not going to tell you like our whole entire love story, but basically I had just recently moved back from North Carolina to New Hampshire when he was moving to North Carolina. And when we finally somehow, I mean, I really can only call it fate, I guess, the way it all went down started talking regularly, we went from talking to from talking New Hampshire to North Carolina, and then from France to North Carolina, because I went to the Alps for four months to help caretake and cook for an American couple there. When I moved back to the States, I lived with my parents in Charlotte for six months while he lived in Raleigh, which is three hours away. So this whole entire time we were first getting to know each other, the first year, we always had many, many miles, time zones, work obligations, all kinds of things separating us. But we managed to talk every single day, either phone, email, text, or in person, and still have from December 2011 to today. And I sometimes think that all that long distance is, it was so great for us to build the foundation of our relationships. relationship. It's what made us so strong as a couple. So anyway, we each had our own separate jobs in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then we moved back together to New Hampshire, where we started a retail business together, and now we each run our own separate businesses. He's a painter, and I already told you what I do, and let's just say that a whole lot has happened in the 11 years that we have been together, and I think I'm just like more in love with this man every single day. When we were first dating, I always wanted to fast forward to the good part. You know that reel you see on Instagram when someone like hits the camera, I don't really know how it happens, but they fast forward from whatever they're doing now to the seven figure business owner or fast forward from whatever they're doing now to sailing away on a yacht. Well, when we were first getting to know each other, I wanted that to be the case. Like I wanted that real. Let's fast forward to the good part. We definitely got comfortable around each other quickly, but it's only been with lots of time and growing together that I really realized that this is actually where all the gold is. For myself personally, it's only been probably the past year or so where I think I'm finally starting to be more vulnerable in really sharing my feelings and emotions. I'm really good at just bottling them up all the time and that's kind of what I was doing before. So I wouldn't trade all of the different stages and phases for anything in the world now. All right, 
that was a lot of mushiness and I'm sorry, but I, I shared it all because I really want to break down three things that Jason and I do and have done no matter what, no matter where we were in our relationship. And I think that it has really helped us to grow together. Number one, we've always stayed curious about one another. And as I share in this interview with Jolie, Jason and I literally built our relationship on asking one another funny questions, which if you're part of the She Built This Pair groups, you know I do that in there too. Questions like, if you were a kind of shoe, what shoe would you be? If you were a magazine, what kind of magazine would you be? Of course, serious ones too, but we just spent like that first time dating long distance, just getting to know each other in like really interesting and unique ways. Number two, we have fun together. We love playing card games, dice games, board games, games of all kinds. We watch shows together. We go on outdoor adventures when it isn't freezing outside. We both love music books and we both really love learning and sharing what we're learning about. We also schedule in like regular date nights, which are definitely mostly in staying in due to the pandemic and just the fact that neither of us really love going out. But what we do when we schedule those in is it just kind of like breaks slightly from the norm and it helps to make our time together feel more special and more intentional. And of course, we also have lots of fun separately too. Like we each have different friends and interests. And I think really what's key is that we both encourage one another to engage in those things separately on a regular basis. Like we both just genuinely want each other to go and have fun and do things we love. And number three, we communicate. When something feels too charged or too tough to talk about in that moment, we've both really identified that our communication style is such that we need to take a little bit of time and then revisit it when we both process individually, but we don't just not talk about it. Like we always come back to it and I think that we're both very committed to communicating. So I guess those are our three little uh, secrets to a happy relationship, if you will. But I'd love to hear yours. Like I'd love to hear the things that are your secrets to a happy friend, to happy friendships, to happy romantic relationships, to happy client relationships. Um, and if if you share them with me, I will share them on the podcast. So how about that? All right, so I'm going to get into um, our, our my conversation with Jolie in just a second, but I did, before I interviewed her, I read her book, Project Relationship, The Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love, and I loved the series of questions that she asks towards the beginning because they start with your business and then they also move into your relationship, which is what this whole conversation is about, and I posed some of these questions to myself and I also posed them to Jason as I went through the book, as well as many other questions that she has in the book. But I wanted to read them so that you can kind of take stock and consider where you are now. The questions are, what are three words that describe your business today? What are three words that describe how you're showing up in your business right now? What are three words that describe your relationship today? What are three words that describe how you show up in the relationship? And then what are three words that describe how your partner shows up from your view in the relationship? And there's another one which Jolie and I get into in our conversation. What 
is your relationship for? I really love that one. And I highly encourage you to ask all of these questions, especially that last one, to a close friend, a romantic partner, your spouse. It brings in so much clarity and really interesting, curious discussion. So this is going to be a conversation that we revisit, uh, Jason and I, as we continue to add blocks to the foundation that we have and grow. And one of these, one of the things that these these questions brought to light for me is that if we don't like how we're showing up, either in our businesses or in our relationships, we can start to shift right here and right now. One thing that I've had on my list of, I'll call it improvements for lack of a better word, for the longest time is wishing I had a better relationship with certain members in my family. But that is literally all I would do. I would just wish it and then tack it on to like, hopefully someday. But I asked this question to myself, how am I showing up for my family? And the answer I got was not one that made me extremely happy. So I started right away. I started with a daily habit from the moment, from that moment that I realized it to who knows when, uh, but I now reach out to someone every single day in my family. That's where I wasn't showing up the way I wanted to. I just wasn't taking any action to nurture the relationships that I was saying that I wanted. So I started in that moment, taking that action right away. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. Like life doesn't work like that real. We can't just skip to the good part. You know, it takes small next steps. It takes the small next right step and patience. But as you keep taking those steps, you will find that the landscape changes drastically over time. Okay, I definitely went on longer than I meant to in this introduction. I'm so sorry. It's just that I got so many takeaways from this episode and the book, and I really encourage you to soak up every word of this interview and then go back and listen again if you missed some of those words, because we are going to talk about how to translate your skills as an entrepreneur to show up better in your relationships, how to take responsibility for yourself when things aren't going the way that you think they should, how to start shifting your perspective around potentially tough topics like money, politics, and sex, what a curiosity date is and how to go on one, and what could happen in your relationships when you start to get successful and what you can do about it and lots more, of course. Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. She's a research psychologist, TEDx speaker, and ASEC certified sex educator. Jolie's also the author of the best-selling book, Project Relationship, The Entrepreneur's Action Plan for Passionate, Sustainable Love. She's spent the past two decades studying and reimagining what love can be if we open our imaginations to possibility. Jolie helps people create partnerships that are custom built for their authentic selves. No more shrinking, pretending, or hiding required. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Jolie, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you and I definitely want you to, you know, I always read people's bios before they come on and I want you to get to what you do and why you do it and all this, but I have a very important question to ask you first. Okay. (laughs) In your book, Project Relationship, which you dedicated to your husband, Ken, I need to know in the beginning when you said he always knows which spoon is your favorite, did you mean an actual spoon or are you talking about like spooning where one person's the big spoon and one person is the little spoon? This is actual spoon. 
real spoon because I have very specific spoon needs. Yeah. So now I need to know about this. Like, what are the (laughs) talk to me about the spoon needs? Okay. So there's actually, there's multiple right, correct spoons. So first off, ice cream has to be eaten with a metal baby spoon. (laughs) It just has to be. And then like soup has to be eaten with this very specific Oneida spoon that I have that I only had one of because somebody I had, I had actually left somebody's house with it accidentally years ago. So he found me eight more. Um, so they're very specific spoons. He knows I'm pretty sure spoons. like most of our silverware is stolen from other people's yeah. houses by accident. So For I totally real. hear you. Um, I also just want to say I very much identify with this because when, when I was growing up, we would fight. There were four of us kids and we had one spoon that had a B monogrammed on it. Uh, just so you know, our last name did not begin with a B. I have no idea how we had this spoon, but we would like fight over that one spoon. It was like, I get the B spoon. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. The right silverware for the right job. Yeah. It's all about about the weight of the silverware. So, all right. So now let's get into your story, who you are, uh, what you do and how you got to where you are. Goodness. Um, well, who I am as a human first, no, (laughs) um, I am kind of a weirdo because I'm a relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. But, you know, that kind of means everybody in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we all are creating um, our own like relationship rules, our, our, our idea of what's ideal for us. So I took my depth psychology background. I have a PhD in depth psychology, which is like Jungian and archetypal psychology. And I combined it with my certified sexuality education. And out of that created my own take on how we can best do relationships, especially if we happen to be very ambitious people. Because I found ambitious people kept coming to me saying, I need help with this because I keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Yeah, so let's let's dive right into that because I think you're I think when we you are an entrepreneur, there are a it's a very unique set of circumstances that also affect your relationship. And I think that that it actually can become your strength and superpower in a relationship if you use some of the same skills as an entrepreneur in your relationship and I know that your book is like all about that. So, let's talk about how it can be our strength or our kryptonite as entrepreneurs. That's it. When I first started taking on this topic, um, it became really obvious to me that a lot of people come home and want their home life and therefore their romantic nesting, like whoever you're living with, you want that life to be easeful. And while I commend people for wanting some easefulness, often what we want is to come home and plop everything down often on top of our partner, and forget the fact that we have like an immense set of skills, that we just crushed it wherever we were. And these days, that's probably just leaving one room and going to the other. Um, You know, we were doing great. We have tolerance for risk, an ability to connect to people, eye for detail, an eye for the big picture, whatever it is. We have all these great skills that could totally translate at home, but instead we come home and we just like, ugh, melt. And that does not lead to great outcomes. 
Yeah. So let's just pick one of those. And like, can you take one of them and apply it to how it could show up better in our relationship? Like, I love the risk one. I think that's, that's a it. good one. Yeah. That, that's where I was going to go. I love this one because sometimes people forget that this can be applied in relationships, no matter what your relationship looks like. Um, because if you are an entrepreneur, you know about taking calculated risk. And you know that sometimes that calculation involves a gut check. You just have to you just have to trust yourself and move in faith. And there is there is a corollary to that in your relationship. Sometimes you know something needs to change. You, you have this real gut feeling that something needs to shift. And someone has to go first. Someone's going to have to bring up the question or, or start the discussion or find the outside help you need. The person who is less risk averse but even better, if someone actually enjoys some level of risk-taking, great. Leverage that. Bring that into your relationship and say, yeah, maybe my partner really is the person who's going to be the more, um, maybe they are the more risk-averse and that brings their other skill sets into the, the equation. So I can bring this one. A lot of times we get complainy if we feel like I'm always the one that has to start the hard conversation. That might be because that's your superpower. Yeah, I was going to say what and and what if like one person shows up with the problem or issue and the other person's like, I don't think that there's a problem or an issue. So what does that look like? There we go. Now we can get into another great skill, which is about figuring out solutions for problems that could have many, many, many solutions. So if you, in other words, you come home and you want to have a conversation with your partner about, let's say the fact that you're not getting enough time together. You feel like you're not getting enough time together. And your partner's just like, actually, I think we are. Okay, there are a lot of ways to deal with that. But based on who the two of you are, if this problem were happening at work, if you had a business partner or you had um, a, bunch of, a bunch of people working for you who wanted to spend their time differently, like some of them wanted to work together in an office or wanted to collaborate, others wanted independence, you would problem solve that. You would make lists of what are the options and how could we come to a solution? Or you might top down decide on making a change that's going to work, that you know is going to work, and then make it happen. So often we disempower ourselves because we bring a problem to a partner and we say, here's the problem. And we're not actually engaging. We're just expecting that because we've named the problem, now they're going to run in and fix it either for us or with us. Yeah. But they might not be there. <laughs> All right. So here's a word I'm sure you have heard more times than you <laughs> wish to have. Uh, the word compromise. Where is the, like, where in our relationship is there, is that supposed to be taking place? Because I, I don't know what, yeah, I guess what's yeah. your, what's your opinion on the word compromise? So everybody has a different take on this. Um, there are folks who really, really thrive in situations where compromise means we meet in the sort of in the middle zone. Let's say we meet in the center 40% of what we both want, right? Where, where there's 20% overlap for us both. And, and other people really do not thrive in that and do much better when they take turns and, mm. and go back and forth or when they divide up parts of their lives and say, you know what? I don't actually need to share this thing with this person. I can actually do some of these things really independently. 
I happen to know a woman, for instance, who travels extensively on her own because her husband does not leave the house. He's just not interested. He's a little agoraphobic, not his jam. They separated that part of their life. That was their compromise. But from the outside, it doesn't look like one. You know, it. this was about getting specific about what would meet each of their needs. And in fact, she found out she loves traveling alone. She loves traveling solo. It fuels her. It's delicious. And then she found out that there were whole groups of women who would travel together. So now she does that some too. I mean, uh, it sounds sounds very fun. (laughs) Right? Um, And so one, like one piece in your book, which I really loved this activity. um, And I've done this before with Jason, but we sat down and listed out like who does what chores. Yeah. And it would be an area where you would think uh, you might think to yourself, oh, well, where can we compromise? Like, where can we make it so that the load is even? But when we, when we listed them all out and looked at them, I was like, well, I really like the chores I do. And he's like, well, I really like the chores I do. And I was like, okay, I guess like you definitely have more and that's fine with me. (laughs) So we can leave it like that, you know? And, and I think that to your point, like compromise doesn't look the same to every single person. Right. And if we focus on compromise needing to be about fairness we miss a real opportunity. I find a lot of people get caught, especially if they were raised in families where there was a high emphasis on what's fair. Um, They can miss the point, which is, do you want to enjoy your life? Because life isn't, it's not fair. I mean, we're living through a pandemic. We all should know at this point, life isn't fair in an objective sense. But when we're in a relationship, if we try to make things like chores fair, we can miss that. In fact, my husband loves mowing the fields. I have no problem with that. Have fun. That job would be onerous. That's that's not, there is no right way to do this. But if I try to make it fair, then I would try to balance that. And I hear you doing the same thing. Like you don't need to balance what your chores are. You need to find something that works for both of you. Right. Whatever that looks like. So one of the questions, uh, again, in your book, I, I love that it reads kind of like sort of a, a workbook as well. So you yeah. can kind of be like journaling and doing it along. Um, one of the things I really liked was the part where you challenge people to use three words that describe their business today and three words to describe how they're showing up in their business right now. And then you take that into their relationship. And I guess I just want to kind of hear like your thoughts behind why that activity and what the outcome of that activity is. Yeah. I started this because I'm a talker. (laughs) Um, I noticed that if I even just did free writing or I tried to figure out what it was that I was feeling, what, what really described me, I could get so caught up in a story that I missed actually understanding what I was feeling, what my body was feeling, what my sensations were and what I needed. So I I came up with the, okay, three describing words because it limited me and that really helped me get to the core of it. Um, and three words is also enough to allow yourself to feel more than one thing at a time. Even if those things seem completely oppositional, you can feel two oppositional things at the same time. Yeah, very true. And and I I also think that um you know, sometimes when we think things are going all bad, then right. having that like helps you say like, "Oh, nope, it's not all bad. There's actually one third of things that are good." Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And or oh, two thirds or three, you know. Yeah. Yeah, or the whole thing could feel great, which also right. Maybe if all of those worlds are feeling really positive, how interesting that you might still be spending a lot of time feeling like you're not achieving enough. Or like 
you still have a long way to go. I don't know about you, but I struggle with this pretty frequently. I have to remind myself that I am on a path. My business is growing. I am doing the right things. And I can feel overall really good about that. But then the day-to-day of, oh my gosh, I got to, there's so much more I should be doing. I can miss the fact that I love what I'm doing. And yes. it's been great. A hundred percent. Like sometimes we're trying to solve a problem that does not even exist. When you really sit down and like inventory it, you're like, nope, there's no problem. (laughs) I just, I just am looking for one somewhere. And it's the same with your relationship. This is why I wanted to Mm. bring it home. Most people can be a little bit more objective about their business. So I ask you to do that, that reflection on how, how do you feel about your business today? Three words. And then how are you showing up in it? Different question, because you might be showing up with energy that doesn't match who you want to be. And then I want to transition home to how are you showing up at home? How is your relationship? Because if if a person is struggling in only one of these two areas, then we can transfer the skills, right? Like if if one of the areas is working really well, then let's figure out why and make that go equally well in the other in the other side. If they're not, if they're both going down, now we want to look at actually bigger systemic problems like are you experiencing symptoms of depression? Are you struggling to a degree that needs, you know, extra help? Or are you in the wrong business or in the wrong relationship for you? Big questions that it's easier to get at them if we come at them like from multiple directions from the outside rather than just one. Let's say that someone is uh, in a relationship right now and they're reflecting on these questions and either they're not showing up the way that they want to be or their partner isn't showing up the way that they want them to, mm-hmm. um, where do you even start? Like, I know you said, like, you know, if everything's going down <laughs> with yep. the ship, you might want to get help. Um, but where can I start if, like, it's just like, yep, you're not showing up how I want you to, or I'm not showing up how I want to be? Yeah. Okay. So let's dress, address the first thing first. That's me. If I'm not showing up the way I want to, That is actually my favorite problem in the whole world because it is completely within my power. All I have to do to begin that journey, and I think every listener knows this, it's an attitudinal shift. This is a a mindset shift. I need to shift myself so that I start showing up as I actually want to be now. Don't wait for tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for an hour from now. Right now. What's the very next tiny action that would put me in alignment with how I want to be showing up, whatever that is. If you need to read your affirmations or or open your bookkeeping because you've been ignoring it, whatever, whatever it is. Just take one step. Take the next step. Now, if the issue is that you feel your partner is not showing up the way that you would like them to, this gets more complicated. Because while it certainly matters how you feel about how they're showing up, it is at its core, an unfixable thing to just point to someone else and say, I need you to change what you're doing so that I'll feel different about my life. Just doesn't work that way. So now we're at the spot where we want to think about our relationship and its capacity to to grow and change. Can this relationship be reimagined? If it can, if this relationship could be reimagined, now I just decide, do I want to spend the energy on reimagining it with this person? If so, then I'm in. If you can see no imagined future that would get you to a place where you like to be, well, now you have to think about your energy spend. Is this 
right for you. And there is and no I, right answer. And it's the same. I mean, and you can apply the skill that you would use if this was your business. And not that you're treating your, you know, your relationship like a transactional thing, but um, it's the same kind of question. Like if you are feeling that way in your business, it's like, well, is it is it worth the energy expenditure to get it back on track feeling like how I want it to? Yep. Or am I walking away? And, yeah. and, and there's no wrong answer there. It's whatever answer is right for you. Really, I so I think this is important an important distinction. There is a difference between treating your relationship as transactional, like keeping score. Keeping score in a relationship is a death knell. Do not do that. There's a big difference between that and taking a really big picture view of is this relationship, is my reason for showing up to it? Does it still work for me? And if not, okay, I gotta do some deep reflection. And now what is this relationship for? Like, do we even have a shared purpose? Do we, or are we just spending time together until we do something else? And even that is a valid choice, but make sure you're choosing it rather than just letting it happen to you. I think that that question, uh, you should say it again, because that is a beautiful question for every single person to ask themselves in any relationship, whether a friendship or a romantic relationship. What is this relationship for? It's my favorite big picture question. What is your relationship for is the question that gets you from, well, I like this person or, well, you know, we have some shared values or we grew up down the street from each other <laughs> or, well, we got married. Those are all things that happened in the past or exist outside of you. But your purpose, well, I mean, it's really easy for me. I've started a lot of businesses and it is really easy for me to continue on through through the trenches, through the difficult part, through the growth phases, as long as I know why. If I know my real purpose, what meaning I want out of this. Relationships are the same way, but I want them to be a shared purpose. So I want you each to have your reason why. Why are you showing up to this? And then together, really get on the same page about what is the purpose? Because if you know what your relationship's purpose is, then anytime you hit a road bump, one of those big ones that like upends the car, now you have your check-in question. Now, and, and I don't mean go straight to it. I mean, you have a whole discussion around, hey, our relationship, the purpose, the purpose we agreed on, are we still together on that? And what I see is nine times out of 10, people are, they still agree on it. So they just need to figure out how to get back on the road together. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how to get back on the road when you might have just gone off a little bit. And you, you hit a pothole, you hit, hit a, a pothole. pothole, there's a flat tire, you guys are sitting there and you're like, okay, now what? Yeah, so this is going to be where you, you have some choices. There are multiple avenues to beginning this journey. Um, but the very first one is taking responsibility for yourself. So we actually already talked about it. That question of, am I showing up to this relationship the way I want to be? And there's patience here. You know, you might be, and your partner might might not be on the same time frame that you are. Like, is your partner showing up the way you want them to? Maybe not, but are they are they making attempts? Are they showing up to their own therapy? Are they, um, are they doing the things that they say they'll do? Are they following through on their word, even if it's not 100%? Can you see genuine effort? Because that can go a long way to building the next step, which is to start working on the communication. And 
you know, everybody says it. We fall back to this word, communication. But without it, there really isn't relationship. Relationship is foundationally about what is between I and thou. What is between capital S self over here, capital O other over there. And one thing I think, you, you know, you talked about in your book again, um, is, is bringing curiosity into the relationship, like a lot more to help foster that communication. Because so often I think what happens, especially if you've been in a relationship for a long time, is you think you just know that person inside mm -hmm. out. Like I know everything there is to know about them. But when you bring in different tools that help you to foster curiosity, you you open up that door to communication and it makes the person feel safe and comfortable because you are asking about them. Right. And you're asking about them now. The beauty of a long-term relationship is that we get really comfortable with a person, which is awesome. There is nothing like passing gas in front of somebody and being <laughs> like, you know what? That was okay. Nobody's going to die. Right? We want that kind of comfort, but... Mm. What we don't want is to assume we know somebody so well that when they give us an answer to a question, we retort with how we really think they feel or what they're, they're actually thinking. I am absolutely guilty of this. When we do that, when we imagine that we know them better than they are today, we've forgotten that they're a living, growing human. That is no way to create the psychological safety that we want in our relationships. I'm picturing the couple that like is completing each other's sentences, which makes for a nice reel on Instagram, but <laughs> maybe not for a nice dinner conversation. <laughs> right. And if we think about um, growth-oriented relationships, so my, the foundation of my own relationship is um, it's summed up really tight as growth over comfort. That is not everyone's path. Not everybody wants that. But I think everybody wants some degree of it. You know, I, I'm like all in. I went, jumped headlong off the cliff. But growth over comfort means letting yourself be in the, dis the discomfort of not knowing exactly what your partner is going to answer, not knowing how they're going to finish that sentence because that, that's adventure together. That's letting them be new and fresh and that breathes oxygen into the whole system. Okay, so shifting gears a tiny bit. Um, speaking of communication, there are some things that I think we think of as harder to communicate about. So I won't get into all of them, but for example, money is the one that first pops into my mind. Finances. It can be a really uncomfortable subject, and it can be a touchy subject. And I guess what is your um, maybe like one big piece of advice that you'd offer around having some of those kinds of conversations. And maybe you can add to what those uncomfortable conversations are. Absolutely. So money is a great one. And I find most couples struggle with, say, money, sex, and often a like a philosophical issue, like an underlying, that could be like religion or political stance or whatever, something over in that realm. Yeah. But usually what happens is I see people who've got either money or sex can be talked about, but it's it's more rare to find people who figured out how to really talk openly about both of these all the time. So the good news, in at least in my profession, the good news is that when I find somebody who has some skill at talking about money, we can transfer that same sort of comfort to talking about sex and vice versa. One of the first things to do, though, is to just establish 
um, some safety for the conversation, some sense that we will not we will not rush to judgment in these harder conversations, which means setting the conversation up, like having real intentionality around it. And where people start off is often with, well, we've got to have this conversation. Right away, we've set ourselves up for, this is a burden. This is difficult. We're not going to want to do this, or you're not going to want to do this. So just a tiny shift in our language can go a long way. So shifting to, hey, we get to have our money ritual this week, or hey, we get to have that, we get to have our, our money planning meeting this week. Get to instead of have to. Huge change. It takes practice. That's it, This is a little bit like saying um, an affirmation before I pick up a really heavy weight. At first, I just got to say it. Then I can get to the point where I really believe it. Then the weight just comes off the floor. Easy. Shifting your language that way is one one good starting point. The other is plan to have these conversations with regularity. Most of the time we wait a really long time and then the only reason we have a conversation about money is because there's a problem mm-hmm. or because, and this I actually think is even worse, because we haven't even looked. We don't even know if there's a problem and now it's just lurking in our computer like a terrifying poltergeist. So setting up these conversations to have them with regularity, putting them on your Google Calendar and sharing that event with your partner so that it just happens, big jump over a hurdle. And I think, um, and and maybe you can agree or disagree with this, but I think what's really helped, like I've had a, we, we, both myself and my husband have come from a background that did, did, did not have a lot of money. And I have my own journey with money, which is basically, uh, I have burned it all down and then some. <laughs> and so it, it it took me a really long time to feel comfortable with the conversation and for us both to be like, okay, we're going to get honest and look at like how things are going. So I think a lot of times we need to remember when we're heading into these conversations that the past is also playing a role in some of these conversations. Like old programming is still playing while we're having these conversations. And those things can be talked about and it it doesn't need to be painful. Yeah. So this is where I think doing your own personal work becomes probably the most um, significant relationship investment that you can make. Um and you don't need anybody else's permission to do it. Starting to unpack your money issues, your parental, your the stuff that happened in your family of origin, starting to unpack all of that in therapy or in coaching somewhere, doing that work, even just taking a self-help route and like reading books and diving in, going going a layer further than the Instagram level of of exploring yourself and let yourself really unpack those those gnarly bits. Because you're totally right. So I was raised in poverty and uh, didn't really know it because my parents had a great big, huge garden. So we never, ever went without food. Now, that was that was pivotal. But we didn't have a lot else. And my partner had quite the opposite experience of just not really having to think about it. If we couldn't talk about those things without blame or shame or guilt because so if shame comes up on my side then some latent guilt might come up on his side for having had some of those things if we can't talk about that rather than think about it as um a horrible thing think of it as the opportunity that is the big opportunity get underneath the edge of that and now you could literally change your entire 
life by starting to do that work and then bringing it into the relationship. And you may find that you actually have a partner who is even dreamier for you because what they need is to know more of you, not for you to hide. Oh, that is so well said. And thank you for um, letting me know that I shouldn't just be doing my self-exploration on Instagram. <laughs> I know. That's a tough one. So much good stuff out there, but that next level. Books are great. I think, it's, I think it is. So I'm Gen X and I feel like this is the obvious for me. I'm, you know, I'm standing in my library right now. That next layer, it goes a long way because it's consistent work along one line of thought, right? This is why I love Instagram for my intro to whoever's work I'm going to do next. Then I go deeper, deeper into their pathway. Let's me stay the course long enough to really uncover because each one of these people has created something like they've found a path up the mountain. I want to follow their path and see where it goes. Books are such amazing teachers and and have been my teachers since I was very, very little. So I totally agree with you. <laughs> and I was kidding. I'm like a geriatric millennial. I think that's what they call us. That's I, Yeah, I'm right <laughs> on the border. I was 76. So I'm firmly sit, sit in Gen X. And I'm like, yeah, but I had a computer in my house when I was seven. So I'm I don't jealous know. of the Gen Xers. I'm like, um, so this question, I think my husband is going to be like, thank God she asked this question. What about the entrepreneur who wants to always be talking about their business and their husband is like, oh my God, can they ever shut it off? Mm -hmm. um, who else is there to talk to about these things? Like, can it not be me? And he is so good. I don't think he really feels that way. But I do talk about my business a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I've brought that to my own husband several times. So we had a business together, much like you, we've like owned a business together, but then didn't like, and it, it's different, but both circumstances, whether you're running your own business and want to talk about it all the time, or you're running a business with your spouse and every moment can become a business moment. Either one of those scenarios can lead to one big problem, which is you just don't talk about anything else. So I think of this a little bit like, um, like I don't diet. Diets do not work. I don't like diet culture. It just does not work for me. But filling my plate with vegetables always works. <laughs> like no matter what else I'm going to eat during the day, if I fill my plate with vegetables, awesome. So if I can fill my relationship talking plate with topics that are genuinely of interest to both of us that aren't business, if I can just get those out, like really like inst instigate those conversations then I can worry less about whether the business talk does filter in to other moments. Um, I need, though, to think about what are those things that interest both of us? Because I talk to so many people who don't know. They don't remember. I was just going to say, how would somebody who doesn't know that um, bring those things to light? Because I think that can be almost even more stress-inducing when you're like, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about that will interest them? Yep. Okay, so I think first things first, go on a curiosity date. Do that. A curiosity date is nothing more than an intentional date. It could be home on your living room floor um, with a, a little picnic of grapes and wine. It could be anything you want. Um, grapes and wine is redundant, though. I just realized that. Um, <laughs> so it could be very, very simple. But the point of the date is to turn is to show up with curious energy and a list of questions you can use i have i in fact if your uh, listeners want to go to listentojolie.com i have a list for free of questions that you can ask your partner from like a place of genuine curiosity not assuming that you already know them 
and start establishing a sense of who is this person in front of me? Because that is a genuine way to find where you want to be exploring life together now. Not when you got married, not last year, right now. Um, and it comes from a place of real playfulness. And there are lots of like decks of cards. There's so many resources like this. Just we want to provoke new answers from our partner, new like new avenues, things we don't typically think to ask about because that's where we're going to find the the uncovered similarities. I mean, we picked this person for a reason. It's there's something there. <laughs> I have to say this is so we dated long distance for the entire first uh, 10 months that we were like interested in one another. Um, and this is how we built our relationship. We asked silly questions like all day long. <laughs> like if you were a type of shoe, what type yes. of shoe would you be? If you were a magazine, what type of magazine would you be? It was like my favorite game to play. And we learned so much and we still bring that out to this day. We also bring these kinds of questions to family holidays, yeah, <laughs> which is really fun to get to know people in a different way and, and bring out their funny stories that you've never heard in your entire life, even though you've known them for your entire life. A hundred percent. That is, it's the, it's the simplest move that creates space to figure out what you want to have now. It's when people say they don't know, I, I will have people sitting in my office or my metaphorical office on Zoom and I'll ask them, so what do you do for fun? And a lot of times what happens next is a sort of glancing off into the distance. Like, um, <laughs> um, and so that can be a tough question. If that's the answer, I steer them back onto the path and we get back onto the path, but I send them home with homework to do a curiosity date to spark some, some newfound energy into this, into this thing that's stuck right now. Oxygen is needed. And curiosity is the oxygen. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, I have two fun questions for you. And the first one is, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, God. I mean, read. 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 Yeah. And yep, then same. make anything. I like to sew or knit or crochet or weave or cook or, oh, God, I sound like such a girly girl. <laughs> I can't do woodworking anymore. I'm too allergic to the wood. It's so challenging. Um I like to make anything, podcasts, whatever. <laughs> she just likes making things. Just give her something to make. <laughs> exactly. I was a maker from the second I was born. My parents said I was making stuff like Play-Doh castles, you know, from birth, basically. Oh, my God. This is so funny. I just have to insert a personal story here. I'm the opposite of making things. Like, I'm very not coordinated. <laughs> my aunt and I used to play Barbies when we were little, and I would, like, get so mad at them because I couldn't put their clothes on uh -huh. and I would just take the heads off and then put, do it that way. Oh my <laughs> that God, was that's how... a miracle. I, so I was the five-year-old who was sewing little dresses for her body. So. I was just going to say, this is probably a little no. not your style. <laughs> All right. My other fun question is, is it true that you have never tried a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And if so, what would it take to convince you to break that streak? Okay. So it would take a lot of money, Emily, a lot. And here's why. I love peanut butter. I love jelly. I love bread. And I can eat all of those things. I am not allergic to any of them. But like 10 or 15 years ago, I figured out that I just had never had one because when I was a kid, I didn't like jelly. And later I learned to like it and I never put them together. But it is the best factoid to have at my disposal for Such like two truths and a lie and stuff. 
it's great because I say things like I have seven children, I've never eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I have 12 chickens. People always pick the seven children as a lie and they're wrong. <laughs> and it's like, how do you have seven children and have never tasted a peanut butter and jelly? I don't know. Ba- <laughs> <laughs> babysitting my brothers and all of the children I babysit in my life, I've definitely been like, and I'll take that triangle for myself. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know how you've done it. I, I commend you. Yeah, so now it's an actual life choice. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. That's pretty good. Um, all right. So what, uh, why don't you let us know, like what resources you want people to kind of, um, grab to dig into your world and start to get to know you more and then also how we can find and connect with you online. Yeah. Happy to. So if people want to go to listen to Jolie, J-O-L-I.com, you can download my top five relationship guides. And in there is my jealousy workbook because I am an academic jealousy researcher and I've got a great framework for that, but also the curiosity date and how to have that sex conversation that you probably need to have don't know how to start. So I would definitely go to listen to Jolie.com and grab those guides now. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I'm Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton. Perfect. And I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. I didn't know about those other two resources. So I, I think those are great. Um, okay. Before we, before we finally wrap up, is there a question that I did not ask you that you wished I'd asked you? You know what it is? It's what happens if I am really, really successful at my business and my partner is not feeling it? Ooh, okay. Let's answer. Okay. Um, if you're experienced, if you're ambitious, chances are one of these times the wheel's going to catch and you are going to be very, very successful. If your partner is not driven entrepreneurially, that can feel like a threat. I want you to breathe through that experience. I want you to reach out and find help because this problem shows up all the time. Differences between an entrepreneurial type person and a non-entrepreneurial type person, a person who likes being employed, can be very stark. This gap is crossable, but you're probably going to want an outside help to get there, especially if you get to that spot where you have a lot of choices, which is what happens when you're very successful. Mm. You have a lot of choices. So before you run, before you ditch, get some outside help. That's a really good one. And I wish I'd asked it, (laughs) but you asked yourself. So that's great. All right. I will put listen to Jolie.com in the show notes, as well as uh, links to those specific resources. And I just want to thank you so much for being my guest today, Jolie. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.